Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? Let's give it over to Jesus one more time in the house. Uh, listen, you can't praise him enough. You, I said you can't praise him enough, right guys? So, hey, listen, we are in our Thought Attack series, part five, and we are so excited for you to be here with us. We're going to jump straight into what we've got today. So go ahead and take out your sermon notes. And, and uh, today we're going to deal with something that, uh, like we've already talked about, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we want to deal with fear, faith, and anxiety. Fear, faith, and anxiety. All right, guys. So Romans 8, let's jump straight into our theme verse that we have for the month. Romans 8, 1 through 6 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death, right? For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, which means for those who are living according to what they want, what their life wants, what they feel like their flesh needs, their body needs. For those that are focusing on worldly things, right, then their minds are set on those. But those who live according to the spirit of life are those who set their minds on the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. Then it says, sorry, for those to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And just like we've asked every single week, how many guys could use more life and peace in your thought pattern? Come on, somebody. Y'all with us today? Right? So turn to your neighbor and say, life and peace. All right, now turn to the person on the other side of you you just neglected and tell them, life and peace. All right, so we want to get into what we got today. First, <clears throat> we want to define kind of the three areas um, of fear, anxiety, and worry. We wanted to kind of bring some definition and some scope to those for you, right? So the first one, let's start with fear. Now, fear is the emotion or feeling induced by a perceived and known danger or threat. In other words, if it's a known danger or threat, right, it's, it's what we know to be true. So if there is a giant dog chasing after you, you know it's there. Come on, somebody. Like, Amen. So if you know, like that's a known threat. So we fear what we know is true, right? So we fear what we know is true. Then there's anxiety, right? So put that up there for us. Anxiety is the emotion or feeling induced by an unknown outcome of a danger or threat. And so what we mean by an unknown outcome, anxiety is the, is the emotion or feeling induced by an unknown outcome of a danger or threat. And what happens is we fear what we know is true, but we have anxiety over what we can't control. So it's the unknown outcome that fears us. It's the unknown outcome that gives us anxiety. I don't know what's going to happen here. And the reality is we have anxiety when we realize we're not in control. It's quiet. I figured it was going to be. Next, right? Then there's worry. And worry right, is the emotion or feeling induced by the possibility of a danger or threat and the outcome that may follow. So we have fear over what we know is happening. We have anxiety over the outcome of what might happen. And then we worry about the possibility of something happening. Now, how many of y'all know people that just worry all the time for no reason, just worrying all the time? My grandma, I love her. I love you, Grams, if you're watching right now. My grandma, which is Pastor Dan's mother, she's a worrier. She worries if there's nothing to worry about because there should be something to worry about. Okay, listen, like how many of y'all know somebody like that? They just worry all the time. They're worriers, right? So she's one of those, like, listen, everything's going good. She's like, oh, no, everything's going good. We should be something's, she's the one that's waiting for the bad to happen, all right? Now, I see some of y'all nudging your spouses. Stop. You don't have to do it. We all know, okay? 
But there are worriers, people who naturally, they just worry, they worry, they worry. I always say I'll worry about it when it's something to worry about. In other words, I'll, I'll, more, the, the, what I should really say is I'm never going to worry about something, but I may fear something. And, when there's, and occasionally, if it's out of my control, I may have anxiety about something. But I'm not a worrier because I, I don't meet anything until it's something that I need to meet. I'm not going to worry about the possibility of something that I might need to worry about. And so I move beyond that quickly. Thank God, Pastor Dan, occasionally can be a worrier. His mom is absolutely, that whole side of the family, they just worry about worrying because they should be worrying about worrying because something should be worried about. I'm like, that's exhausting. I'm not doing that. So, but Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, and it's kind of the verse for today. And if, if you were going to write something on your kid's forehead, I think it should be this. Okay. So Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious. Say this word with me. Anxious. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, and that phrase there means to surpass your ability to comprehend. The peace that goes beyond your ability. In other words, I'm in the middle of this mess, but this peace that I can't even understand why I have it, I have it. And that peace, right, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when we're not, we shouldn't be anxious about anything. We shouldn't be worrying about anything. If anything, we should be bringing our request to God who already spoke with words the existence of our world. If he spoke into existence the sun, the moon, and the stars, if the whole universe moves at his command, I think he can handle whatever we're going through. But it doesn't stop us from going through it. Y'all hear what I'm saying today? And I know that's the part where it's like, amen. Oh, right. I, I love this quote. It's a, it should be in your notes. It says, the opposite of worry is not peace. The opposite of worry is trust. So sometimes we say, well, I have peace. I'm not worrying. Well, what, what do you have peace in? Because peace in your self-indulgence is not peace at all. It's just avoiding. But trust overcomes your worry, right? Tim Keller has a great, great quote. We got two from him in this sermon, but Tim Keller says this, worry is believing God will not get it right. And bitterness is believing God got it wrong. Let that sink in, all right? So today we want to talk to you guys about anxiety. Now, like I've said before, I'm preaching this from the perspective of how God is helping me overcome, not from a standpoint of what I have overcome. All right. And even I was talking to some of our men, and we're going to talk more about this on our podcast on Tuesday as we talk about this sermon. But, but I believe anxiety increases when pressure increases. What I mean is this, many people say I have more anxiety now than when I had, I have more anxiety now than what I had when I didn't have anything at all. And I said, that makes sense because you only have anxiety over what you can lose. You never have anxiety over what you can gain. So if we only have anxiety over what we can lose, when we have obtained more, we have more to be anxious over. In other words, when all you got is a pack of ramen noodles, you ain't got much left to lose. Come on, somebody. Y'all with me? Like, y'all, where's my party at? They can cook ramen 37 different ways. You know what I'm saying? We can put butter in it. We can put eggs in it, garlic, salt, right? We turn into like a, a live chef. Like, so like, 
But when that's all you got, there's not much to be anxious about. Y'all with me? It's when we obtain more, we feel like we have more to lose. And then we become anxious. We become riddled with anxiety. When we have something to lose, that's what we do. So what we have to do is we have to learn to cast our cares on him. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at four ways we can do that today. Matter of fact, 1 Peter 5, 7 uh, says this. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Some translations say, cast your cares. Those things you care about, put those on God because he cares for you. All right, so we cast our anxiety him. So let's move into what we have for you today. Number one in casting your cares on the Lord is that we want to recognize the power of fear. The power of fear. Did you know that fear is something God gave you? Now I can see heads turning aside. Wait a second. Did you know that fear is something God gave you? How many of you guys have ever seen the movie Major Pain? Anybody seen the movie Major Pain? Hilarious. If you haven't seen it, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but you need to look. Anyways, but in the, in the movie, there's a scene where this little boy, he runs to, uh, he, the little boy runs to Major Payne. He says, hey, and he's at a military school. So there's a bunch of kids. And at the military school, he runs into Major Payne. He says, Major Payne, there's a monster in my closet. There's, or he says, there's a bad man in my closet. And Major Payne says, there ain't no, nothing in your closet. Go lay down. And then there's the woman there with Major Payne, and she says, Major, you got to be gentle with him. You just can't do that. So he says, she says, you got to go check on the closet. He says, oh, okay. So he walks upstairs, pulls the pistol out, and puts like nine rounds in the closet door. Bow, 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 bow. He's like, if he's still in there, he ain't happy. And he walks downstairs. So I used to be kind of like that when I was younger. I was afraid of the dark. Where am I afraid of the dark people at when you were younger? Don't be ashamed of it. Just raise your hand, Okay. Where y'all had six night lights at, right? Like turning on the hallway closet, every light. Your parents walking through, like, we're lighting up the neighborhood here, people. Why are all these lights on? That was kind of me. And uh, so I remember I would be afraid of the dark, and so I would run into my parents' room sometimes. Be like, Dad, 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 I'm afraid there's something in my room. He'd be like, there's nothing in your room. Go lay down. I'd be like, but I'm still afraid. He'd be like, all right. So he would come into my room, and he would lay down next to me on the bed, so I fell asleep, and then he would leave. And, and, uh, and so... But what I realized in those moments is my fear drove me to a place of safety in the person that I trust. And God has actually given us what we call godly fear because when there are things in our life that we are fearful of, when we're afraid, those things should actually drive us to our Father, not away from Him. See, God gave us fear as a trigger, God gave us fear as a motivation to get close to him. But what the enemy has done is it has caused fear to create a distrust in our heart towards God as opposed to driving us towards God. And so fear as a, a, fear as a solution to trouble should drive us to the Lord to say, God, this is something that I don't, I, I'm, I'm afraid of. I don't see any way out of. This thing looks bigger than me, and I'm scared of it. I'm giving it to you. That should be what fear does. But instead, the enemy tries to give us a spirit of fear, which 
paralyzes us and holds us still and oppresses us and holds us down. How many guys have ever been paralyzed by the spirit of fear when when everything going on around you becomes so crazy and chaotic and, and you become fearful? You literally become paralyzed in exactly where you are. And that's the spirit of fear. And 2 Timothy puts it like this. It says that for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In other words, God gives us the use of fear to drive us towards him. But if it's a spirit of fear, those things drive us away from him. So don't be afraid to let what you're scared of drive you closer to God. But when you find that thing paralyzing you and your anxiety or your fear or your worry starts to kick up and it starts to paralyze you where you feel like you're doing nothing, that's the spirit of fear. And we have to turn away from that and start turning towards the Lord. You guys with me today? John Bloom says it like this. He says, when terror grips the human heart, we abandon the faith race. We just want to hide. Nothing stops the legs of faith like fear. Nothing will stop you in your journey. Nothing will stop your purpose. Nothing will hold you down like fear will. But we can overcome the spirit of fear by running towards the Lord, right? Number two is the power of freedom. The power of freedom. So in the power of freedom, what we find ourselves doing is we come to the Lord and we want to give him what we're going through, but then we tend to hang on. What I mean by that is this. Uh, where, where are my married folks at in the house? You married? If you're watching us online, married folks, right? So how many guys have found this to be true in your marriage, right? That when she says she's over it, that doesn't mean she's forgiven you. Come on, somebody, right? Right? So when, when she says it's fine, how many of you know it ain't fine? It's fine. Okay, listen, we got more work to do here, right? All right. It's in a marriage class. We just trying to help you all out. Because what women tend to do sometimes, don't throw anything at me, what women are good at doing is getting past the moment but hanging on to the issue. Now, Fellas, we're just as bad. We just have really bad memory, so it kind of gets away from us. Y'all know, like, all the ladies are like, yeah, that part's true too. Okay, so, so what happens in arguments, right? You get in this argument, and listen, ladies, we intend to put the clothes in the basket, but the wind from the air vent keeps blowing them right beside it, and we can't, it's, listen, it's just the, it's the way the world rotates. The world shifted right when I threw it, and now it's beside the basket. I tried, okay? Listen, I really did. But all that to say, right, how many guys have ever been in an argument and, and in that argument something surfaces from a long time ago that both of you thought you were already past, right? Now, how many of us, listen to me, how many of us do that with the Lord? Is we go to God and we say, I'm giving this to you. I don't want to hold on to it anymore. But there's that small thread attached to it where we've gotten past it in the moment, but we haven't gotten out of our mind. In other words, I've, I've released my anxiety in the moment, but I haven't released the anxiety in my mind. I've released the worry and the fear in the moment, but I haven't released the worry and the fear out of my mind. And so what happens is we give the Lord what we're going through, but we still carry the weight of it with us. And because of that, we never find true freedom 
Because essentially what we're telling God is, I think I will manage this better than you will. Now, none of us would say that with our mouth, but how many, how many of us would recognize that our prayer life sounds quite familiar to that? God, I got a few suggestions for you while you're up there. And if you don't mind, if you could make this happen, that'd be really, really good. Right? Like, how many, listen, how, how many guys thought you had good suggestions for the Lord at one point in time? You're like, God, I just need you to let this relationship work out. You didn't realize he's worthless and nothing, and you don't need to be with him. You're just trying to get what, like, okay. So, listen, so we find ourselves in positions where we're trying to get what we want because we think we know what's best. And God is trying to say, I'm trying to protect you from that. Move it out of a relationship, move it into a job. God, I need this job. I need this money. I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. And God is saying, yeah, but that's going to take you out of your small groups. It's going to take you out of your church. It's going to take you away from your relationships. You're never going to be close to anybody that's trying to build you up spiritually. You're trying to get the money, but he's trying to give you more. You're trying to get the finance, but he's trying to give you fellowship. You're trying to get all these things in your life. And God is saying, none of those matter if you lose all of these. But all you think about is what you think is what's best for you. But God has already shown us he always knows what's best for us. So there's power and freedom. Hebrews 12.1 puts it like this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us. Right? Tim Keller has another quote. He says this. He says, you are underqualified for the job of master and commander of your own life. In other words, even if you got everything you wanted, you would never have everything you needed. Because God always knows what's better. But how many of us have found ourselves frustrated not getting what we think we want in life, right? How many guys, how many guys has life ever dealt you like one of those situations where you're like, man, I just, I just didn't see that coming. Anybody ever been there before? I did, life kind of coming. I did not see that coming. Like God, I, t- like, I, I, was, I was going, like I had purpose, I had intent. I knew exactly where I was going, and out of nowhere, something comes and, and messes you up. Show up at Krispy Kreme, and the hot now light's not on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's just, God, I thought I had purpose. I had intent. I knew where I was going. The hot and ready light's not on. But then in a moment, that light comes on. Come on, somebody. Listen. Hey, look at that. I'm just kidding. Listen, you... But in all reality, how many of us have had plans? We knew where our life was going, and out of nowhere, something came, and it messed us up. And then the worry, the fear, the anxiety sets in. But listen, there's power and freedom when we let God have it. Which brings us to our next one, is the power of faith. The power of faith. That we have to believe, and we have to have faith that whatever we're going through, God knows what's best. I said God knows what's best. We have to have the faith to believe that even when the outcomes don't come out to be what we thought they were going to be, he still knows what's best. In other words, if they're different than we had planned, then they're everything he needed them to be. If they're different than what we had scheduled, if God goes off track from what we thought, what he knows for us is still better than we want for us. I love this quote here. Uh, Put it up there, guys. It says, the difference between the cut that kills and the cut that heals is determined by who's holding the knife. 
In other words, if God is the surgeon, and how many guys know there are things of our life that needs to be cut away from us? Come on, somebody. How many guys know that there are things in our life that the Lord needs to get out of us and cut away from us? There are areas of our life that we have allowed to become infected and, and unhealthy for us, and the Lord needs to clean those things out. If God is a surgeon holding a scalpel, and then there's the enemy there trying to stab us, trying to wound us, trying to kill us. They both have the same ability to cut us, but one of, us has, one of them has different intentions with that cut. And what I'm trying to tell you today is pain is not a representation that God has left you or forgotten you. Sometimes pain is the process to get you to your purpose. And what we think is that when we go through pain, God has left us. But sometimes he's just the surgeon holding the scalpel trying to cut something away from you. Sometimes pain is necessary, but there's power in our faith. And then, fourth, there's power in our fellowship. It's the power of fellowship. There's a power that comes from being in community. There's a power that comes from being in relationship. But your anxiety and your worry and your fear, one of the biggest ways that God, one of the biggest things that God uses to get over your anxiety and your fear and your worry is relationships. Having someone that you're connected to that when you're going through something, you can say, man, this is what I'm going through. I need somebody to help me with this. I had a pastor reach out. There's a, there's a group of pastors in my life that we all connect and we communicate. And yesterday, one of them put something in a group message and sent it out and so we're communicating, and, and one, of, one, of us, one, of, one of them in the group actually ended up driving to Mobile yesterday to meet with them and, and talk with them and was trying to let them know the exact same thing we're talking about. Listen, God is here. He hasn't forgotten you. But can I tell you something? Sometimes those relationships are the only voices you have when you let the voices of fear and anxiety get louder than the voice of the Lord in your own mind. In other words, Sometimes we convince ourselves of the lies more than we convince ourselves of the truth. And we need someone in our life to go, that's not true. Amen. And so they can call out truth in our life. And they can declare truth into our minds and into our hearts when we start to believe the lie more than we start to believe the reality that God is still for you. Even though your circumstances may not look like it, God's still for you. Even though life may get chaotic, God's still for you. Even though you lose trust in him sometimes. Listen, I tell people all the time, you need to tell God how you feel. They're like, I can't tell God how I feel because I'm ashamed of it. I'm like, he's a big boy. He can handle it. Because sometimes you got to work through what you're going through so that you can start to come to a closure of what God is doing in your life. But there's power in fellowship. James 5.16 says it like this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And some translations say faults. Some translations say sins. Essentially what it's saying is confess those things that you have to overcome. Confess them to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? Because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So we have to come to a place where we surround ourselves with that. Jackie Hill Perry puts it like this. She has a great quote and I love it. She says, as someone who doesn't trust easily, I've come to know that what I call a trust issue on the surface is a fear issue at the root. I don't trust you because I'm afraid of you, afraid that you'll bring me pain. But what fear won't say is what if they will give you love?
And for many of us, the reason we haven't gotten into small groups, for many of us, the reason why we haven't gone through growth track is we're afraid. We're afraid that whatever it is in our life that we think is so bad, everyone else in the group is gonna judge us for it. Matter of fact, when I sit down with people who haven't connected in small groups yet, it's almost the same excuse every time. It's either, I don't think I have time, which you do, or I'm afraid of what they'll think. And listen to me, in a world full of broken people, and I am one of them, I am much more concerned about God making me whole than God trying to fix whatever you're going through. And I don't mean I'm not worried about you. I'm saying I'm not judging you because I got stuff too. Come on, somebody. Where am I got stuff people at? I got stuff. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got stuff. We all got stuff, okay? So what is that? Man, we got to work through what we're going through, but we need to work through it together. Because can I tell you something? We're always better together. And if you choose to go through it and you choose to go through it alone, then you're choosing to go through it alone. And just like we said last week with depression, whether it's depression or anxiety, if you're going through life alone, it's because you're choosing to go through life alone. And I can say at TC, I can say for those, maybe you're watching online from a different state and, and we're actually coming up with systems right now for our online campuses that they can join us and, and they can figure out a way to create small groups and communities right where you guys are at. But I know here at TC, if you choose to go through life alone, then it's a choice because there are groups that are ready to help you walk through your life. They won't always have solutions, but their goal is to drive you closer to the one who's bigger than your problems not solve your problems. Come on, somebody, because there's a Jesus that's bigger than whatever we're going through. And we want to help drive you closer to him. That's our goal. That's our hope. That's our desire. So next things. So we gave you cast your cares, four steps. We want to give you four things on overcoming our thoughts. Why? Because I believe anxiety starts in our thoughts. I believe worry, fear, it starts in the mind. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinketh or as a man thinks, so is he, which means if we can overcome our thoughts, then that's the first step to overcoming our anxiety, our fear, our worry, and even our depression from last week. But before I get into these, I wanted to mention this, which is a disclaimer at the end, but it is what it is. If you, cause what we're talking about, we're talking about the moments of anxiety. How many guys know that there, there are, we, there's times where you deal with a constant anxiety and then there are moments of anxiety. And most of this deals with the moments of anxiety. But if you are a believer or if you're not a believer out there and, and you are dealing with depression or anxiety, I'm here to tell you today that you need to get the help that you need. And don't let some Christian, overly spiritual, nonsense talking person that don't even have true roots in who Jesus is tell you you don't need medication or help or to talk to someone or you just need to pray more because that's not always the case. You need to do whatever is best for you to make sure that you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with properly. And I wanna let people know that because there are some pastors and preachers and then just outright nut wing, crazy religious people that say, you don't need whatever God could give you through medication or through doctors, get what you need. I'll help you with Jesus, but get what you need. Do not end your life and do not lose hope because you think you can't take something, take what you need, and then we'll get you closer to Jesus later. Sorry, I get fired up because we sit down with people all the time that say, I can't get through this. And so-and-so said, I can't take medication because that means I don't have enough faith. I'm like, tell me where so-and-so is. Boy, I'm about to, anyways. Do what you gotta do and take care of yourself. And if Jesus wants to get you off of that, he'll move you off of that, but take care of yourself. But I wanna talk to you just about overcoming our thoughts as we wrap this up. 
overcoming our thoughts because that's where it starts. Even sin, it starts in our mind first. Matter of fact, it is in our mind. And so these are the four things I wanna give you. Number one is we need to replace. You need to replace the lies with truth. You need to replace the lies with truth. Anytime your mind tells you that you are not or God will not, you are not a great person or you are not God's child or you are not this or you are not that or even you're not and because you're not, God's not gonna come through for you and then the lie turns into God's not faithful, God's not sovereign, God's not holy, he doesn't love you, he's not gonna care for you, his outcome isn't gonna be for you. All of those things, those lies start to torment your mind and when those lies start to torment your mind, you gotta replace the lies with absolute truth. And the absolute truth comes from the Bible that he sa- it says, I know I am who he says I am. That's why I love that song that we've been singing. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And the Bible says that if he, that he would hold back no good thing from his children. He says that if he knows that the birds are taken care of and the animals are taken care of, how much more will he give to his children? In other words, he cares for you and you have to replace the lies with absolute truth. And that is that he loves you and that he is for you. And your circumstances and your situations may end differently than you thought they would, but it doesn't change the fact that he loves you and he is for you. Don't let the outcome of your circumstances dictate your capacity to understand God because your circumstances does not change his sovereignty and love for you. And even with me, with Jabin, one of the most powerful things anyone ever spoke to me, and it's been what's carried me for the last five years Pastor Aaron James, I went to coffee with him when we first found out he was sick. And he looked at me and it was right after we had found out the doctors had given us our time frame on how long he was gonna live. Pastor Aaron James looked at me and I don't even know if he remembers this, but he grabbed my shirt because I was just a mess. And he said, look at me. And I looked at him. He said, God loves Jabin more than you do. And if he chooses to take him, it's because he wanted him. And if he chooses to leave him, it's because he wanted to leave him. But none of it is a punishment to you. It all has to do with what he wants for him. But he loves him more than you do. And I'm here to tell you today that if your worry and your anxiety is coming from someone you love, God loves them more than you do. And if it's coming for your own life, God loves you more than you do. God's passion and desire is for you. So you got to replace the lies that says God doesn't love you or that you're not enough or God's not for you. You got to replace them with the truth that God does love you, that God is for you, and that God will lead you and guide you and hold you and encourage you and sustain you and strengthen you because he's for you. Next. Number two is you have to remember. You have to remember. You have to remember all the truths and all the times God already brought you out to be in the encouragement on the fact that he will this time too. You have to remember that even though the situation you're going through now hasn't changed yet, you gotta remember all the other times that it did. I remember we were going through trying to figure things out and even in the midst of absolute chaos, one of the things that stacked up quickly for us is doctor bills, we're flying to Miami and we're flying to Gainesville and we're going all over the place trying to get treatment for our baby boy. And and as we were doing that, bills are just stacking up and stacking up and stacking up and, and we were praying for a miracle, but we hadn't seen the miracle yet. And in one day, $10,000 hit our banking account from different people giving us and donating money and helping us pay our bills and 10 grand came into our bank account all at one time. And, and 
if for a moment we almost missed the celebration of that miracle because we hadn't seen the one we were really wanting. And can I tell you something? You gotta remember all the things God has done for you even while you haven't seen the one that you're looking for. You gotta celebrate the miracles surrounding you even while you're waiting on the one that you're focused on. Because what anxiety and pain has a way of doing is blinding you to your surroundings and you miss everything else God does for you while you're waiting on the one thing that you're crying for. But you gotta remember, God is always faithful. Number three, surrender. Replace, remember, then you gotta surrender. You gotta find yourself at a place where you say, God, I'm giving this to you. I trust you to be the ruler of my life more than I trust me. You're better at this than I am. And so I'm surrendering, I'm giving it all to you and I'm giving everything I have. I'm giving the situation, I'm giving the circumstances, I'm giving what I'm going through, I'm giving my pain, I'm giving my frustration, I'm giving it all to you, God, and I'm surrendering everything I have to you. Everything I'm going through, I'm surrendering to you. At one point with Jabin, I just said, God, I'm giving them back to you. Do what you will, I'm giving them back to you. Lastly, is meditate. Meditate. You need to meditate on the truth of who God is. Where does that come from? It comes from the scripture. You need to read the Bible. You need to read everything. When the, God, when the Bible says who God is, when the Bible says God's desires for you, you need to meditate on those. As a matter of fact, the, the, the translation from the original word that meditate comes from in the scripture. So when you see meditate in the scripture, it comes from the original word, which literally means it describes what the cow does when he eats grass. So the cow eats the grass, chews all the nutrients out of it, swallows it. Then, this is disgusting, but he brings it back up and chews on it more and swallows it again. And, he's, and then he throws it back up, chews on it more and swallows it again. Now you can laugh, that's disgusting, okay, I get it. So, but that's what we need to do with the scripture. For some of us, we just read through it, read through it, read through it, close it and go to work. Listen, the Bible is always about quality more than quantity. In other words, some of you need to have what in this season of life, you need to have three, four, six scriptures that you just keep rehearsing back to yourself over and over again, that you just keep going back to over and over again, that you keep going back to over and over again. And you're just like that, you're chewing on it. And when you're done with it, you may put it away for a short time, but that next morning you're bringing it back out again. And we're going to chew on it some more that God is for me. He is not against me. He is who I who he says I am. I am who he says I am, that he is going to lead me, that he's going to guide me. He's going to strengthen me. He's going to sustain me. And you keep bringing that back up to your memory until you believe it. Sometimes you're going to have to declare it before you bought into it. Second Corinthians 10, five says this as we close. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. How are we obeying Christ? Through the power of fear, letting our fear drive us closer to the Lord. Through the power of freedom, by laying down what we're going through and giving that to God, saying you're better at this than I am, I'm giving this to you. By the power of faith, recognizing that he's the master and that even if he lets us experience pain, it's to get us to our purpose. But then experience fellowship through relationships, navigate those circumstances and let's get it closer to God. You guys with me today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that you've called us. We thank you that you've destined us. We thank you that you've purposed us and you've ordained us for these moments. 
God, we thank you that in moments of anxiety and fear and worry that your desire for us has not changed. Your desire for us is that in everything we do, you would draw us closer to you. So God, I pray that in pain, we see that you're the, you're the solution. God, in anxiety, worry, and fear, we see that you're the solution, but that we put our faith in you. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and your eyes closed today, maybe you're in this room and, and you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you're recognizing, yeah, I need to change those ways of thinking, but before I change those ways of thinking, I need to change who I'm following. And today, Jesus wants you to be close to him, so much so that he went to the cross, he gave his life. When he went to the cross, he died. And that death, as a payment for sins, and today, what separates you from God is sin in your life. But it's not the sins that separate you from God, it's what sin does. Because sin separates us when we don't have our faith in Jesus. When the cross and the payment at the cross hasn't been applied to our life, that's what separates us from God. And today, Jesus wants you to bring you close. And today, if you want him to take control of your life, if today you want your sins to be paid for, if today you wanna move your eternity from hell to heaven, all you have to do the Bible says, is we repent of our sins, which means we turn away from them, but then we put our faith in him. We believe in our heart that when Jesus went to the cross, he paid for your sins. And today, if that's you, I wanna pray for you. Today, if that's you, I'm not gonna come to you, I'm not gonna point you out, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but we wanna pray a prayer together. And today, if you say, that's me, pastor, I want my life to belong to Jesus. I wanna surrender what I have to him and I wanna follow him with everything that I am, everything that I have. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you sit? Say, that's me, pastor, God bless you, God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down because we're not here to embarrass you. We just wanna pray with you today. Are there more that says, that's me, pastor, God bless you, God bless you. If you're watching us online, maybe you're saying, that's me, pastor. I wanna pray the prayer. I want Jesus to take control today. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a prayer and the whole church is gonna pray it with us. And, and as we pray it together, the prayer doesn't make us saved. What you're believing in your heart makes you saved, putting your faith in him. But we wanna put words to our actions. So the whole church is gonna pray with you. And if you raise your hand or you didn't, but you want Jesus to take control, let's pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean, make me pure, make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later through your life, through your death and through your resurrection. I can be saved. I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. CC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time. Man, we celebrate with you.